Artistic Whispers Productions presents... Down from 10, a country house mystery written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer. Author contact information at www.jdsawyer.net. Featuring the vocal talents of... Philippa Ballantyne. T. Morris. Kitty Nakian. Nathan Lowell. Miss Calendar. Nobilis Reed. Christiana Ellis. Chris Lester. With original music by Danny Shade. This podcast contains adult language, sexual situations, and bizarre humor. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, this is Cunning Minx from Polyamory Weekly, the podcast reporting tales from the front of responsible non-monogamy from a pansexual, kink-friendly point of view. Available at polyweekly.com. You're listening to episode 14 of Down From 10, and this is the story so far. Last night, Amos found a problem. The windows in the house are made of bulletproof glass to protect against avalanches. Sarah shouldn't have been able to break it no matter how frightened she was. Meanwhile, in the darkness beneath the snow, the shadows have claimed another victim. Kevin. Chapter 14. E-6. Afternoon. Come on, Katie. Jeremiah whispered, apparently in an attempt not to wake Sarah, who was still sleeping between them. His version of whispering was something people could probably hear down in the great room. I know you're pissed at me, but this is serious. Shut up. You're gonna wake her. His eyes and lips narrowed together. I'm staying quiet. Bueno, job, pendejo. Look, I'm sorry. I was an asshole. I know. But we have to get out of here. Something's going on. Oh, yeah, he knew what quiet meant. Sarah stirred between them, and Katie rolled her eyes at Jeremiah, then bent down and stroked her friend's face, kissing her forehead softly. She looked up at Jeremiah with eyes that dared him to continue. There's no signal on the radio, Katie. Fucking nothing. Snow doesn't stop radio signals. He glanced down at Sarah, then back up to Katie. We have to get out of here before we all go nuts. He looked straight into her, a poster child for his own paranoia. What part of trapped don't you understand? We'll dig our way out. Maybe we can find a path. The boy was a little slow, but when she didn't respond, he finally seemed to figure out exactly how little of a shit she gave about his childish campaign. Okay, fine. I'll go myself. He rolled out of bed and grabbed his clothes off the floor. He stepped into his sweatpants angrily. You're gonna get yourself killed. Yeah, well... He yanked his shirt over his head and looked at her, as if this were all her fault. Got nothing better to do. He didn't wait for a response. He stalked out the door and threw it shut behind him. Katie winced, waiting for the slam. But he seemed to remember there was a sleeping person in the room and caught it just before it hit the jam, then closed it quietly. Katie snorted her disgust, then dipped down to Sarah's sleepy head and kissed it again. You're gonna have to find better men, little kitten. Carol stirred the sugar lumps into her tea. You, my love, are completely mad. Oui, oui. Going your 35 and trying to get a spot on the wall in the best ever September party in Berlin. You do some crazy things. It was the end of the world. I had to be there. You should have seen it. His eyes sparkled with the memory. I was only eight. Was Helena there? She was. Wistful was beautiful on him. 
Under shock. He must have been young. Carol took a sip of her tea. Indeed. He was two months from being born. Helena took three men to help lift her up onto the wall. <sighs> I only saw it on tape in high school German class. I wish I'd been born ten years earlier. No, Sherry. You still have the world in front of you and getting bigger all the time. <laughs> and all its children want corsets and dusters and bowler hats. You're the right femme for them, then. Maybe I am at that. Carol reached for the tea service between them and took a water chestnut sandwich finger. She normally preferred cucumber, but the cucumbers had gone off with the rest of the fresh produce. She took a bite, rolling the nearly flavorless texture around on her tongue as she studied her companion. As thoughts crossed his face, Gerd looked like a man both half his age and twice his age. She reached her left hand out and took his right, running her thumb along his Venus mound. And what about you, Gerd? Where are you going next? It's something I still have to decide. Only twenty years. Already people forget. When life is easy, nobody needs to think about the past. When life is hard, nobody wants to. It can't be that bad. You are a swallow, mon cher. Bright and light, but not as fleeting. You don't find your minds the burdens that others do. On anyone else, she might have mistaken his tone for a patronizing one. She could see in his eyes the regret for what the world could have been but wasn't, and the pity he held for her that she still had so many years ahead of her to wrestle with it. She understood, without listening to another word he said, why he was here. Knowledge should progress as we learn more, but professors never grow up past 24. They think they're heroes. Marx makes it easy for them. Always the revolution. Never mind if you're right. Never mind the learning. It's the revolution. And the deconstruction that counts. It doesn't require good thought anymore. It's a program to follow. It is religion. That's why you're leaving? He nodded. I haven't any longer the belly for holding my tongue. The French are always troublemakers. She winked at him. Won't you? We are. Perhaps I will find a private school. One that will have me, or a place where music, real music, is still love. And keep my mouth shut while my bow speaks. Who knows? Perhaps. He arched an eyebrow at her, as if suggesting something scandalous. I'll even get a dog. <laughs> Oblivious to their presence in the breakfast nook, Adele swept in and filled the kettle at the sink, keeping one eye on whatever was going on in the living room. No, no, no. Stop. Hold it. She set the kettle hurriedly down on the stove and lit the burner, then rushed out again. This one goes here. That one goes there. <laughs> I always saw you as more of a cat person. Sweet girl, I'd rather be the nip and let the pussy roll around on me. <laughs> you certainly have it in you. She beamed at him, remembering last night. As for the rest, who knows? It depends on where I end up, I think. She thought she could see tears welling up in his eyes. The world doesn't shine anymore. Now, my belle, shall anything but. The world will always shine for me. I suspect, though, that when the world looks at me, it no longer sees a sparkle. She squeezed his hand, her own vision blurring as her eyes moistened. The world has eyes, my love. But it doesn't have a mind. It does not know what it sees. Nespa, how well I know. But you, well, you do quite well for yourself, no? For now. And what of a husband or children? Sixty comes faster than you know. She turned to her left, casting her eyes towards the doorframe, listening to the bustle and activity. 
They were all happy, in spite of everything yesterday. A bit subdued, but happy. Enjoying their time. Making the house a real home. I think... She said, returning her gaze to Gerd. I have all the children I can handle. On the stove, the teapot began its sputtering cry for attention. Oh, now you know it's not the same. Seeing the discovery in young eyes, the mind forming behind them. It is beautiful, no? Carol raised a cynical eyebrow. Maybe, but not my kind of beauty. The mature mind, the grand imagination, the soft hands, the lust for life. Adele better attend to that damn pot quick, or we might have missionary stew for dinner. That's my sort of beauty. I notice you never remarried. As if on cue, Adele ran in and pulled the kettle off the stove. She poured it into a pot she had sitting ready with a tea ball in it. No. Once was enough. There's more life to see yet. Fatherhood is a game for the young, who thinks that life will last forever. He leaned towards her, a strange kind of earnestness in his eyes. Are you sure of what you want? No doubt, and no regrets for missed opportunities. He grinned, his smile seasoned with the scent of sorrows long buried. La belle dame sans regret. Never let me miss these weeks of yours again. My music needs her muse reborn each year. Adele came back in to retrieve a couple of mugs. Carol should have known better than to have high tea in the breakfast nook if she wanted any privacy. She shunted the thought away and kept her attention on Gerd. You're always welcome. I'll wheel you in here myself when you're ninety and have to use a hawking box to make lecherous remarks. Gerd raised his cup to her. Excellent. The scaffolding was just about ready. Kevin spun the last wing nut onto the last pole, anchoring the crossbar in place, then looked down, trying to figure out how to descend the stepladder without putting his weight on the light metal backdrop frame he'd just assembled against all probability. Lacking any actual path down, he stood nonchalantly on the top step where he knew how to balance, and called to Adele. Okay, I think I got it. The angle's right. Her voice echoed out of the kitchen. Looks like it from here. He tried to rub some of the sleep out of his eyes. He'd been up six hours, and they still weren't clearing correctly. And the framing's all okay? No bits left over? She stuck her head in through the door, and he brandished his empty hands. She nodded her approval and ducked back into the kitchen. Of course, now he'd need to get down. Amos, ensconced in the novel he was reading, didn't seem to be paying him much attention. Kevin nervously backed a couple of steps down, froze as the ladder wobbled dangerously beneath him, reached out and managed to steady himself on the flagstones and laid on the chimney, then jumped the rest of the way down and started for the kitchen. He almost got there before Carol got it in her head to rat him out. If you're expecting him to do anything mechanical, you'd better take out some extra insurance. You can be replaced by a machine. Kevin, feeling deliciously overconfident from his temporary triumph over gravity, poked his head in the door and tried desperately to communicate, Please, Carol, fuck off, with his eyes. Carol responded with a sardonic chuckle. Not good. <laughs> if he breaks it, ask him about the Volkswagen. Yep. There was nothing a triumph over gravity could give him that Carol couldn't take away in half the time. And Adele was going to bite at it, too. Volkswagen? Kevin grimaced. I hear the Inquisition is still officially in force. Heretic. She was still one step ahead. Damn. And Adele, having completely forgotten about the tea steeping in the pot, wanted in on the game. So what happened with the Volkswagen? 
Long story. He stepped between her and the counter and rifled around in the bread box for some crumpets and cookies. He bumped Adele with his hip to get her attention. When we get back out there, you have to show me how the hanging part works. Start with a noose. And of course, Carol was smirking. Ooh, she was asking for it. Somebody's going to wake up with moldy leftovers on her nightstand. He piled his ill-gotten baked goods on a plate and scooted out of the kitchen. Adele wasn't ready to give up yet, though, and followed on fast. So, come on. I don't think so. Katie had found her way down in his absence, and was now sitting half across Amos's lap, the two of them idly stroking one another's bodies as they each read. Why not? I like the way you look when you're guessing. He winked at her and poured himself some tea, and sat down on the couch facing the fireplace. Adele looked at Katie, whose eyes had sneaked off their page to watch the floor show. The older woman jerked her head in Kevin's general direction. Is he always like this? Always. You'll just have to get used to it. Katie slid her left foot into Amos's lap. Without taking his eyes off the book, Amos reached down with his right hand and began kneading the arch. Welcome to the land of the semi-wakeful, little nipper. Oh, I'm fully wakeful, Dojin. Don't let the squinty eyes fool ya. Kevin yawned and shook his head. The lack of daylight was fucking with his circadian rhythms. I wasn't talking about you. Is Sarah okay? Yeah, she'll be fine. She might even be up to talking later today. What happened? A dark look crossed Katie's face. Better you ask her. Other foot? Katie nodded her assent and swapped feet. Amos started idly rubbing the other one. Kevin handed Adele her tea and took her list out of his pocket. Backdrop frame? Check. Box of props from everywhere? He grabbed it from the side of the staircase where he dropped it earlier. Back on the couch, Katie wiggled her toes at Amos. He looked down from his book. She wiggled her toes again. He looked up at her, and she cocked her head. It puts the lotion on her skin or it gets the heel dug in. She winked at him. Amos smirked, then nodded and set his book down. From a drawer in the end table, he pulled out a bottle of massage lotion and squeezed it into his hands, rubbing them together to warm it up, then set into her feet with vigor. Kevin presented Adele with the box. Okay, is this what you're looking for? Let's see. Adele set her tea down and pawed through its contents. Yes, these'll work great. Can I borrow your hands? I don't know if I'm quite your type. Goof. I need you to hold this goblet. She fished one out of the box and handed it to him. Near the candle here. He complied, holding the goblet firmly in his hand as if it were a dagger. She peered around his hand from every angle, leaned back on her haunches for a second, then reached out and took his hand again. No, like, like this. She lifted the goblet out of his grip and splayed her fingers under the bowl, letting the stem dangle between them. Like it's an offering. Okay, that made sense. A touch of the sacred butter for the religious nut in the group. Got it. Kevin took the cup back and held it just as she demonstrated. Adele pointed her hands toward the display and said, Perfect. Now, don't move. Wouldn't dream of it. Quickly, but without rushing, she climbed to the top of the ladder and swung out a thin arm from the top of the crossbar and tightened it into place. She pulled a flash unit from her belt, fiddled with it for a moment, and hung it between the rails on the end. Then, jumping down, she scooped up her camera and started shooting close-ups of his hand from all angles. You do a lot of sorting, huh? She shrugged. It's the price you pay to find the great ones. She nodded over to the covered easel. How's the painting looking? Coming along pretty well. I wanted to get started on another one before we dig ourselves out and head home. Have you ever, uh... Nope. I always wanted to learn, but I don't have the patience, and I'm... 
never in one place long enough. You have the right eye. A fast eye, too. Well, I wouldn't be much use otherwise. She lifted her camera away from her face and folded her arms at him. If he hadn't known better, he'd have thought she was flirting. Why do you do it, tromping everywhere like you do? If I wanted to live in the U.S., I'd have to make my living by taking photos for eBay dealers or perfume advertisements. She circled around him, looking for a fresh angle. What's so bad about that? I do this. She waggled her camera at him. Because I love beauty. Most people are so used to things being pretty that they don't notice how beautiful the world is. Adding to the pile of meaningless pretty things? Ugh. I couldn't do that. This way, I get paid to go to the ugliest places in the world and discover the beauty lurking in the corners. And it's a kind of beauty that makes people sit up and think. The nudes aren't that kind of thing, though. Not thought-provoking like that. Adele dropped her camera from her face. For a moment, she looked almost offended, and Kevin wondered if he should have been more tactful. But before he could apologize, her eyes softened and seemed to look up through the ceiling. A private look crept across her face, the corners of her mouth drawing up just a little, as if she were looking at a long-lost lover sleeping in her easy chair. No, they're not. They're something else. They're vacation. They're beauty for their own sake. The world needs more of that, too. God made an incredible world. The, the body, at, at least when it's not wasting away from starvation, is the pinnacle. She stopped abruptly and fit the camera to her eye again, leaning in close, then dangerously far to her left. She clicked the shutter. Okay, think I got it. Can I see the painting? Sure, come look. Delighted by the chance to show off his work, Kevin set the chalice down and hopped to his feet. He led Adele over to the corner he'd claimed and lifted the covering. On top of the white undercoat, the stone of the fireplace had taken on an aspect of an Escher gallery, while the people were only about half filled in. I love what you're doing with the environment here. I got into surrealism in high school. Someone dosed me with acid, near as I can tell. The kind of things I saw... It's been 30 years, and I've been trying ever since to get it down. I can barely draw stick figures. She reached her hands out to the canvas, running her fingers along the lines without touching the surface. It's marvelous. Where can you go next from here? Funny you ask. Kevin reached into the knee pocket of his BDUs and grabbed an orange he'd pulled out of the fridge this morning. Have you ever had one of these? A tangerine? Kevin pursed his lips. He'd hoped she wouldn't recognize it. Here, take this. She did. Now. He pulled his buck knife off his belt and handed it to her. Open it. Adele took the knife and opened it, then carefully cut into the flesh, bisecting the orange across its equator. A few drops of purple juice spilled out from the wound. When she was finished, she pulled the two halves apart. It's black. She raised her eyes in surprise. Kevin smiled. Taste it. Adele shot him a quizzical glance, as if she didn't quite trust that it was safe, then raised one of the halves to her lips and took a nibble out of the flesh. Mm. It's gorgeous. What is it? It's a blood orange. I've only got two more. I want to use them as the centerpiece of my new painting. I'm going to have a woman growing out of one half and eating the other half. That sounds wonderful. 
Will you send me a photo of it when it's done? Actually... He hesitated for just a second, but what the hell. She was perfect for it, and it wasn't like she was going anywhere. I'd like you to be in it. Adele blinked a few times, as if she couldn't quite figure out why none of the angles in the room seemed to fit. Always beware a man with a paintbrush. Katie leaned over the back of the couch like Yoda's taller sister. You never know who he's gonna anoint with it. It snapped Adele out of her shock. Uh, no. No way. I- I'm sorry, Kevin. I-, I can't. Of all the answers he'd been expecting, panicked backpedaling hadn't been among them. Why not? She shook her head sharply. I just can't. Before he could push further, tell her that she wasn't making any sense, Jeremiah tromped happily down the stairs. Happily? The dancer didn't escape Adele's notice. Jeremiah? She seemed very happy for the opportunity to dodge the conversation. Of course, there were other good reasons, and Kevin had more urgent questions to ask now, too. Is Sarah okay? Yeah. He was smiling. Really smiling. Like a kid who'd just found an abandoned mine shaft in the backyard. She's finishing up her shower. She'll be right down. The wounds on Sarah's hands weren't real wounds. Not in any way that really mattered. They were only shadows of a nightmare. They could sting like a bad memory, but they couldn't really hurt. That was the thing about bad memories nobody seemed to get. They were memories because the bad things that happened were in the past. The memories might be unpleasant, but the fact that she had them meant she'd beaten the things that caused them. So when she'd sealed her cuts with crazy glue and bound her hands in gauze mittens, it didn't bother her. The sun might not be shining outside, but that was okay. She had her lovelies in the great room below. She wrapped herself in the witch's cloak she used as a robe and looked at herself in the mirror. It was just her, nothing but her own eyes sparkling back at her. It was time for a good day. Walking down the hallway towards the voices felt a bit like how people describe near-death experiences. Stepping slowly through a tunnel toward the light. The door to her room was ajar, and she could see the scratches on the wall in the disarray. Sarah suppressed a shudder and carried on. The balcony at the top of the stairs gave her a ghost's eye view of everyone below. That is the stupidest thing I have heard all week. If Amos was usually the raven sitting back and watching the group, he'd decided it was feeding time. He leaned up against the hearth and shook his head with an air of great condescension. I looked in that pipe myself. It's flood drainage. What about the noises at night? And the walls Sarah was digging through? And Kevin's hallucination? What about what happened with Sarah? He really was concerned. Against her better judgment, Sarah found that kind of sweet. He had been good to her. Still, he took himself far too seriously. She waited for just the right timing. Why don't you shut your pie hole, showboy? All eyes in the room rounded on Sarah. Katie looked up from her book, then slammed it shut and stood up from the couch. Carol, she's up! Katie jogged toward the foot of the stairs, stopping a couple of strides shy. Carol and Garrett emerged from the kitchen and joined everyone clustering at the foot of the stairs. Their eyes, all their eyes, shone with relief, but they all hung back silently as if they were afraid that she'd break if touched. Sarah descended the stairs, stopping at the last step. 
Between her and her lovelies was a gulf a couple of yards wide that no one seemed willing to breach. She looked around, from Amos to Kevin to Adele to Gerd, not knowing who to go to first, not knowing what to do to bridge the bubble between them. Carol knew. Of course, Carol always knew. She stepped through the crowd, walking across the invisible wall as if it wasn't there. Standing before her, Carol's hands came up to her face, cupping her cheeks on either side, and pulled. They kissed. Sarah felt Carol's fingers raking up behind her ears, and she found herself reaching up for Carol's face. It occurred to her, not for the first time, that this kind of touch was its own language. As she let go, Carol whispered, You're home now, little love. Sarah looked into Carol's eyes and saw in them a well of welcome. It wasn't any different than what she'd expected, but nevertheless, it broke her. In a sudden wave of desperation, Sarah grabbed Carol roughly and clutched her tightly. She smelled like lemons, like a little shaft of summer sun in the deadness of winter. As she held Carol's warmth against her, the morning's false calm ebbed away, replaced by a sense that, no matter how dark the world was, it would always be safe here. Slowly, as the crisis passed, Sarah loosened her hold. Carol slipped out of her arms and back into the group, replaced by Katie, who picked her up around the hips and gently swung her off the lowest step and down to the floor. One after another, everyone touched her kissed her, reminded her that she was part of them, that she wasn't alone, that she belonged. Last of all was Gerd. She nuzzled into his neck and breathed him in. If she was lightning, he was ground. It was always that way, but right now it felt more important than ever. He bent down and swept her up in his arms and carried her to the couch, sitting her down in his lap. The rest of the group trailed after each taking a seat in the conversation pit. Carol was the last, walking behind the couch and stopping to stroke Sarah's face again. We missed you. Carol sat down next to Katie and spread her arms. Katie took the invitation and settled back, propping her feet on Amos's lap. Sarah bathed herself in Gerd's scent, waiting for the familiar buzz of conversation to rise around her. But it didn't rise. Instead, a silence descended over the room, impenetrable as the snow. The moments ticked by, and as the quiet went from comfortable to oppressive, Sarah realized that her presence meant that there were questions to ask. Questions that nobody wanted to ask. Maybe they were trying to be kind, maybe they didn't want to probe at an open wound, but goddammit, she wasn't a child and she didn't want to be coddled. She wasn't going to let them get away with it. She raised her head from the crook of Gerd's neck and said, Don't sit around like a bunch of monks. Carry on. Jeremiah shifted uncomfortably on his floor pillow. When it became clear that nobody else was quite ready to talk, he cleared his throat. <coughs> Everyone looked at him, and he almost chickened out. The guy didn't have any problems dancing naked on stage in front of thousands of strangers, but here he could barely get a simple question out. Well, somebody better start the conversation. Jeremiah seemed to have found his tongue. So, riddle me this. We've all got this little tribe here. All the women do nude art. Some of the men do too. All of you prefer women for your subjects. All of you girls, well, except maybe you. He shrugged in Adele's general direction. Are bisexual. 
Give the man the observer trophy. Katie was back to finding him annoying. Sarah didn't blame her, but it sent a stab of embarrassment through her gut. She shouldn't have brought him. He didn't get it. She winced, disgusted at herself for ever thinking the little dipshit was anything special. She immediately regretted it. He'd spent all night taking care of her and never even asking her why she was such a wreck. Maybe she was the dipshit. So? Kevin leaned back in his wingback and smiled in a vaguely sadistic fashion. What does that matter? Oh, come on. Three bisexual women in one room? Three straight men? You were talking about the odds of alien life yesterday. What about this? Where are the gay and bisexual men? Where are the straight women? Amos snorted. Sarah suppressed a laugh, too, but she was pretty sure she wasn't laughing for the same reason Amos was. He didn't know the whole story by a long shot. Jeremiah, typically, wasn't amused when his question drew giggles. <laughs> what? Katie smiled and patted Amos condescendingly on the shoulder. Amos doesn't believe straight girls exist. Still living in that dream world, buddy? You can't beat the scenery with a stick. Amos jerked his head toward Carol and Katie snuggled up beside him. Jeremiah's eyes narrowed. Sounds like a cheap excuse to me. So, you want to be our honorary gay member, huh? Carol raised her eyebrows, hopefully. Katie squinted at Jeremiah and shook her head slightly. Oh, he's not gay, trust me. Bye. Definitely. Really? She was impressed in more or less the same way a tiger might be after finding out that her best friend was a gazelle. Carol kissed Katie on the head and tousled her hair, then disentangled herself and leaned toward Jeremiah, giving him her full attention. Well then, Jeremiah, you should know better than anyone. Minorities survive by building a group identity, and long after they become accepted, or at least tolerated by the rest of the world, they self-segregate. So what do you think will happen when you have a trio of bisexual women who meet and make friends? What sort of people are they likely to meet who want to hang around with them, hmm? So, you're not prejudiced, you just avoid gay men. Somebody's conflicted! <laughs> Did I say we avoided gay men? Pay attention, child, there will be a quiz. Katie flicked her eyes over to Gerd. If Sarah didn't know better, she'd have thought she read a go code. What were they up to? Fine, fine. Gay men self-segregate, so you can't find any? Whatever. I'm not your fucking child. You people are insane, you know that, right? This whole house is fucking Looney Tunes. Sarah felt Garrett shift beneath her. He slid out from under her, depositing her gently on the couch, and gave her a little wink before he swung his feet out to the ground. You're a dancer in Sarah's shows. You spend your life around theatre people. They make us look positively normal. Unless I missed something. Nah, you got him nailed. Coke and cock. It's their highest creed. Next to her, Gerd stood up and walked away from Jeremiah, between the couches, and began circling behind. Nobody seemed to pay him any mind. Maybe that's his problem. We're just not edgy enough. Shut up, dickweed. Kevin smiled at the insult, probably because he knew what was coming. Gerd loomed behind Jeremiah and waited. With everyone silent and looking past his shoulders, Jeremiah looked behind him and jumped when he saw the Frenchman. Gerd reached down, grabbed Jeremiah by the lapels, yanked him up off the floor, and kissed him full on the mouth. He continued kissing the wayfish dancer until Jeremiah stopped struggling and reached his arms around Gerd and gripped the back of his head. As suddenly as he began, Gerd drew back and dropped Jeremiah down onto his beanbag. 
He looked down at the smaller, dazed man. Feel better now? Adele let out a low whistle of amazement. Jeremiah couldn't seem to do anything but stammer. Damn. Gerd? Amos? You're straight. Fuck you, I'm French. And that has what to do with anything? We understand these things. Gerd dismissed Amos with an aristocratic wave of his hand, then turned to Jeremiah. More comfortable now? I... uh... Sure. Gerd nodded, satisfied, then turned back towards his seat, pausing as he passed Kevin, who reached up for him and kissed him at least as ferociously as he'd just kissed Jeremiah. Mmm, Gerd. Sweetie. <laughs> That's gonna keep me warm all night. Oh. He sat down and pulled Sarah back into his lap, stroking her hair. Now that we're done with that, I think there is a mystery here, Nisbah. To say the least. <laughs> Amos shook his head, still laughing to himself. Carol patted him on the thigh, shutting him up, and turned her attention back to Sarah. Sarah didn't like the look in her eyes. Sarah? Honey? What happened? Do we have to talk about this now? Sarah pulled her robe a little tighter around herself, but resisted the urge to curl back up in Gerd's lap like a little girl. I think we should. Carol was gentle, but she wasn't making a request. It's safe. Safe? Sarah looked around at the walls. Nothing was safe so long as the walls were there. Sarah! Sarah shook the creeping dread off and willed her tongue into action. I... I had a nightmare. She hoped it would be enough, but the look in Carol's eyes told her it wasn't. Sarah closed her eyes and steeled herself against the memories. Go on, baby girl. You're safe here. If anything could make her feel safe again, maybe it was Carol's voice and Gerd's hands in her hair. She sat up stiffly and opened the door in her mind a crack, letting the darkness out just enough to recount it. I... I woke up with this... thing. God, what the fuck was it? This... like fingers all over my quim and my thighs. There was this, uh, giant thing. Dark fingers everywhere. I started coming and this green light came through the window. I started crying. I couldn't breathe. I saw it. Shadow as big as a gorilla dancing around on the wall. Nothing was casting it. I couldn't get out through the door. I tried so hard the doorknob wouldn't turn. I beat and screamed and nobody heard me. The shadow came for me. I ran away all around the room, but I couldn't get away. I tried beating on the window and it broke all over. I couldn't get away. Hands. There were hands everywhere. Claws. I had grabbed some glass and started stabbing it. I stabbed until I couldn't see anymore. There was so much blood. She took a deep breath and jerkily wiped the tears from her cheeks. She felt a hand squeeze her shoulder from behind and turned around. At some point, Adele had moved behind her. It helped, maybe, just a little bit. Sarah took another breath and plunged on. Next thing I remember, you were all touching me and calling my name. The tears caught up with her. She couldn't go on. Much as she tried, she couldn't hold back the sobs that kept pulling her back into herself. She felt Adele's arms all around her, drawing her into Adele's breast. Shh. It's over now. From the other side, Gerd slipped his strong arms under her and lifted her up out of Adele's grasp. She curled into him as he carried her to the other couch and laid her in Carol's lap. Next thing she knew, everyone was touching her. Soft hands everywhere, on her legs, her head, her arms... Warm arms around her, fingers on her face, kisses on her forehead. They wrapped her in warmth that made a mockery of the cold, cruel demons of her dreams. 
After a few moments, Katie whispered to her, You kept saying last night, they are coming. Who are they? The question wasn't frightening anymore. Her dreams couldn't hurt her. Not in this cocoon. I don't know. It was just a feeling. Just a dream. I don't know. My son. Gerd's voice, like a real father's, only better. Sarah opened her eyes to see him looking across her to Carol. When he was six, he had the nightmares most foul. Night terrors. Lots of kids get them. Yes. The only time I've ever seen something like this. I'm afraid, Amos said, his voice flat and frightening even as his fingers wormed her belly with their comfort. It's not a night terror. What? Jeremiah sounded alarmed. Sarah wished he'd just shut up. Adults sometimes get them, but they don't remember anything afterwards. Amos paused, as if trying to talk around the bandage their hands made over her heart. Sarah remembers everything. Remembers? That's crazy. She was sleepwalking. It's possible. What the hell makes you such an expert all of a fucking sudden? Jeremiah's voice was panicky. Shut up, God. Just shut the fuck up, please. Sarah took a few more deep breaths and concentrated on the wonderful, warm touches shutting Jeremiah out of her world. I did part of my residency at Stanford Sleep Lab. Katie blinked. You're a doctor? No, I'm a writer. Sometimes an English professor. I trained as a doctor and as a couple other things along the way. Now most of my readers know me as Shayna Firestone, the bodice ripper. There's irony for you. (laughs) Sarah snickered. Laughter was good. But it didn't last. Jeremiah stood up and started pacing nervously back and forth in front of the fireplace. It wasn't hard to avoid looking at him. She concentrated on Kevin's face. His eyes were closed, absorbed in the feel of her feet beneath his fingers. She let her feet take over her whole mind. It worked until Jeremiah started with his fucking talking again. You could be Dorothy the Aussie transvestite. Christ, what is it with you? We're stuck in here with no way out. Still stuck in here because you all said, oh, it's too far to walk out. Now something attacked Sarah. His voice slashed at Amos. Sarah felt the sting of every syllable. Why couldn't someone just cut his tongue out, lock him in a closet, anything? We're all going crazy and you want to toss around intellectual bullshit about the good old days in college? This is your fault. A look of grim satisfaction crossed Amos's face. Katie and Carol and Gerd shot alarmed looks at one another. The touches and strokes stopped. Offering us panic isn't going to help anything. Amos's voice got scarier the calmer he was. There was something terrible in there, more authority than she'd ever heard before. More than Gerd. More than Carol. Sarah was suddenly very glad Amos was on her side. And what have you done to help, eh? Sitting there behind your damn book, wrapped in some poor alligator's skin? Gerd? What kind of fucking freak- Gerd stood up, took one step, and grabbed Jeremiah in a half-Nelson and dragged him backwards. What the fuck do you think you're doing? Get your hands off me, you fucking frog! Gerd was deaf to Jeremiah's protests as he hauled the dancer out of the great room and into the entryway. He kicked open the garage door, threw Jeremiah in, and tramped in after him. He didn't relish playing the role of enforcer, but there wasn't much of an option left with this kid, and the other two men were too small to make an impression safely. 
Gerd's size meant that he could intimidate easily, and after all he'd seen in his life, he was as near unbreakable as any man could be and still be made out of meat. Jeremiah was strong, much stronger than Gerd anticipated the borderline dwarf to be. It didn't matter. Strength without mass behind it meant that any punches Jeremiah landed would be glancing blows. He didn't need Kevin's knowledge of physics to remember F equals MA. Besides, the boy did make a satisfying thump as he hit the wall face first, and he gasped properly as the wind rushed out of his lungs. He didn't cry out, so he hadn't hit his nose. A good thing. There had already been too much blood spilt for Gerd's tastes. Gerd kept up with him and pressed up behind him, using his forearm to push the back of Jeremiah's neck up and in, pinning the boy against the wall and standing him on his toes. He was now completely without leverage, not much more than a trout flapping on a line. Go up, goddammit! Jeremiah's spittle sprayed onto the wall. He probably couldn't close his lips properly. Well, it would have to do. Gerd wasn't ready to let him down yet. No, mon ami. We must have a conversation. Oh, you awful general! The prospect of this little river reed inflicting any kind of violence on him without help from a gun was ridiculous enough that Gerd couldn't help but laugh. You what? A small man, sin and weak. You could probably jump over my head standing still, oh yes. But I weigh more than you, my friend, by maybe a hundred pounds. Maybe more. You work out four times a day, but I can lift you with one arm. What does your little brain make of that, garçon? Jeremiah took a couple hurried breaths, then hissed. You won't hurt me. Oh, but it would be so sweet, would it not? You have earned it, I think. Sarah is your friend, yet you spend your time when she needs you most, making panique and insulting the people who care for her. Your paranoid, mouth-running behavior is making the lives of all of us crazy, Rob. Gerd gave his neck a little extra shove for emphasis. Jesus, I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. Fear wasn't the same as contrition, but it might do for now. Gerd let up just a little, the pressure on Jeremiah's neck. She is your friend, Jeremiah. She loves you. She needs everyone right now. Jeremiah squirmed as if seized by a sudden panic. What happened to her? Well, we might never know. But whatever it was, she needs us. And if we do learn the truth, we will not do it by making demands hysterical, no? Jeremiah's body jerked violently a few more times, then stopped. Gerd could still see the boy's ribcage rising and falling on his breath, so he knew he hadn't suffocated. I can't breathe. Pardon. Gerd let Jeremiah go and stepped back far enough to be out of striking distance. Now, you will go out to the weight bench and work out some of your anger, no? Then you will apologize to Sarah and to Amos, who did you no harm at all. Then, if you wish, you can have a go at me. I seem to remember Mademoiselle Carroll keeping some boxing gloves around. Like hell, you'd crush me. Gerd took two steps, closing enough of the distance between him that he could have kissed Jeremiah again if he wanted to. The boy cowed before him, but Gerd grabbed him by his jaw and forced Jeremiah to look him in the eyes. Do not forget that, my friend. This old fat still has some punch left, Nesper. Jeremiah squeezed his eyes together and sharply shook his head yes. In that case, I will take my leave. He let Jeremiah go, stepping backwards out of striking range again before turning about and walking back through the door into the entryway. Can you remember anything else? Katie handed her a snifter as she asked the question. Sarah didn't think she'd ever seen a more beautiful-looking glass. 
She pulled it to her lips and kissed the surface of the fiery, grapey liquid. She sucked some in, swirling it around in her mouth, letting it warm her all the way down. I... Sarah sighed. She took another sip. Under all the glorious touch, the demons had fallen back into the darkness. I really don't want to talk about it anymore right now. It's okay. It was good to hear the smile in Carol's voice again. With her head lying against Carol's light shirt between her loose-hanging breasts, Sarah couldn't actually see Carol's face. But the sound of Mum's voice was infectious. Sarah looked around the room for something else to concentrate on. Amos was sitting at the far end of the couch, playing with Sarah's toes and looking completely absorbed in the task. It was time to give Mr. Cagey a friendly poking. But Amos here's been holding out on us. Stanford? Oh, please. I went to med school. Now I write. There's not much to tell. You are so full of shit, it's coming out your ears. Sarah pointed the snifter at him like it was a scepter, and she was a queen, and they were all her servants. Carol ran her fingers over Sarah's brow. Amos here is a font of tales untold. Sadist. His eyes narrowed at her, and he looked like he just might throw a pillow. Admit it. Carol put her other hand on Sarah's neck and raked her fingers up and down over the tenderest part of her throat. Can you think of a better reason why this little kitten keeps crawling into my lap? Sarah shivered and nuzzled closer. Where else is she going to get a lip lock on your tits? Sarah chuckled, but as much as she liked the direction this was going, she actually did want to find out what secrets Amos was keeping behind his impassive facade. All right, that's it. Had enough. Sarah pulled her feet out of Amos's hands and pulled her knees up to her chest, then kicked them out again and rolled off Carol's lap to her feet. Amos, get naked and sit your ass in the spa. It's time you were properly interrogated. Carol grabbed her hand. You sure you want to do that, love? The water will hurt your cuts. Let it hurt. I don't care. Sarah stepped over the corner of the coffee table and started toward the door. I've been stuck in bed for a day and a half. I'm sore, and I need my lovelies to rub me all over. Can't argue with that. Garrett emerged from the entryway, the garage door clopping shut behind him. She changed direction to intercept him. Carry me again. Without waiting for an answer, she swooped around behind him and hopped up on his back. Garrett reached back over his shoulder and hooked his arm around her head. He pushed her down toward his side until her grip slipped loose and she fell. He caught her around the waist and swung her around to the front, and she quickly found herself face to face with him, cradled in his arms. He raised both eyebrows at her. This is not a free bus, mademoiselle. She gave him her best wide-eyed innocent look, which she knew he loved and didn't believe for a minute. Oh, excuse me, I didn't realize... She kissed him, paying her fare for the ride, then glanced back at the solarium door and threw her arm dramatically towards it. Onward, great steed! Gerd lumbered slowly forward, taking her out into the room with the magic pool. You've been listening to episode 14 of Down From 10, written and performed by J. Daniel Sawyer, with original music by Danny Shade, used with permission. Starring T. Morris as Amos Maple, Philippa Ballantyne as Carol Lewis, Nathan Lowell as Gerd Falkstein, Miss Callender as Sarah Evans, Kitty Nakian as Katie Sato, Nobilis Reed as Kevin Walden, Chris Lester as Jeremiah Evans, and Christiana Ellis as Adele Surhan. Some sounds courtesy the Free Sound Project at www.freesound.org. 
Other sounds copyright 2009 Katie Nikian and Artistic Whispers Productions. This audiobook is recorded, edited, and mixed at Artistic Whispers Productions in Castro Valley, California. The book is copyright 2009 J. Daniel Sawyer, based on a screenplay copyright 2008 J. Daniel Sawyer, and the recording is copyright 2009 Artistic Whispers Productions. This recording is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.5 license, and all other rights are reserved to the author. Hey everybody, don't have time for a proper after show this week as the show is running way long and way late, but I wanted to let you know that there is going to be a pub crawl on Monday, November 2nd, at Katie Bloom's Irish Pub and Restaurant in Campbell, California. It'll be in the evening, we haven't settled on an exact start hour yet, but I will let you know in next week's episode, which actually should be sometime this weekend. Um... Lots of other stuff going on. I'll tell you about it in the after show next time, which will be for an episode that isn't running an hour long without my help. Uh, Have a good one.